Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is a creative powerhouse and sleight-of-hand expert, Blaze Sarah, is my guest. We discuss creativity, developing his effects, and the finer points of lasagna. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the feature product of the week from Leo Reed. Before all of that, the show kicks off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians talk to me about the magic that they can't leave the house without. This week, Kevin Raylick joins me for the Everyday Carry. Kevin Ehrlich, thanks so much for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the Everyday Carry. You're going out to get the groceries or just out with your friends. What is in your pockets, Kevin? Um, probably more than necessary uh, <laughs> most days. <laughs> I've, I've gotten better over the years about carrying a little less. I used to go out really loaded up where I'd always have three or four decks of cards on me, mm-hmm. plus sponge balls, plus everything. And, you know, nothing against sponge balls, but these days I only bring those to an actual gig. I don't carry those randomly. Um, but, um, uh, first and foremost would be my wallet. You know, I'm never going anywhere without my wallet and I do prefer to carry a magic wallet. Uh, not so much for a card to wallet. I prefer to have something with a drawing dupe. Um, and so I've, I've played with different ones over the years. I carried for a long time, the stealth assassin, uh, which I wouldn't use that one for a drawing dupe, but for the cash cabaret routine, mm-hmm. which is a great little piece of mentalism with some cash. Um, and for years and years, I carried the uh, blind man's wallet from many Lindenfeld. And that one I really love That's because it. their drawing gets, yeah, the card gets folded in half before it goes in your wallet. And so that one is a, a big favorite for me. And then more recently, I've carried uh, Brent Braun's FPS wallet and Josh Janowski's Hermes wallet. Oh, nice. Um, and they, they all have their good attributes, and it's just sort of whatever I'm doing in the moment. But if nothing else, I want something that I can have a few business cards in for drawing dupes and um, a few small packet tricks, uh, things like Wave by Max Maven mm-hmm. and Card Warp. I always have a couple of cards in there for that. I, I love that the drawing duplication is something that you're doing because there those can be incredibly strong. And so even someone like you who is very closely associated with playing cards is still saying, yeah, I could do a card to wallet, but really what's more important to me is the power of this effect, and I want to carry a, a wallet on me to do a drawing duplication. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you... For sure. And that, Sorry, that for me is a lot more organic. I, I have sort of a, a favorite anecdote. Um, I know a lot of places that just have liquor stores and whatnot. Here in North Carolina, we have ABC stores. It's regulated mm-hmm. by the government. So you got to go to a special store for, for booze. And I was in there one time and um, I was using the blind man's wallet. And when I showed my ID in the wallet, the guy saw my business card, which has a caricature of me on it. Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, is that like a cartoon of you on your business card? What's the deal? And so I showed it and it says that I'm a magician. Mm. And he's like, what? And so the business card was already just like an organic topic of discussion. And it says magician. And it's like, oh, do something. It's like, oh, well, this is already here. Mm. And so I did a little drawing dupe routine with the guy and it just, yeah, floored him. So I love that it was something that just happened organically and yeah i didn't then have to pull out a deck of cards or whatnot it's all just kind of self-contained in the wallet oh that's awesome that's awesome we got a couple just a couple of minutes left here is the wallet the only thing that you're doing is your everyday carry or is there any other magic that you've always uh, got no, on you? more often than not when i go out and about i'll also put a couple of rubber bands on my wrist mm-hmm. i love crazy man's handcuffs and some other odds and ends rubber band routines mm-hmm. i really like dino from joe rindfleisch oh, that's a great trick. um yeah, that one's really cool. It's just kind of a follow-up to Crazy Man's and just some other little phases and penetrations. But yeah, Crazy Man's would be the core of it. 
Um, and then I also very often will bring a deck of cards with me. More often than not, that's a marked deck. Um, I carry around the Penguin Marked Maidens a lot. Mm -hmm. And then also I have my own system that I call Mainframe that I developed for Tally Ho Circlebacks. So odds are I'm carrying either those, you know, either of those depending on the day. And um, then sometimes I'll throw in an extra gaffed card or something into yeah. that deck. But yeah, mo mostly a, a legit deck and then markings for sure. My favorite full deck routine of all time is a marked deck routine. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much. That sounds like, uh, a, like almost like a complete act that you carry around with you uh, all the time. But, uh, but it More all seems less, like yeah. it works organically. <laughs> thanks very much for joining me on sure. the Everyday Carry. Thanks, Eric. Thanks so much to Kevin for joining me on the show. Now, on to the main event. Blaze Sarah exploded onto the magic scene with his one-handed card techniques that are absolutely unreal to watch. He's consulted behind the scenes for some of the biggest names in magic, and he's appeared on Pen and Teller Fool Us. Blaze's approach to creating magic is precise and repeatable, and it almost felt like talking to someone designing a car and not a trick. This is required listening for anyone who wants to create their own effects. I caught up with Blaze at Magic Live, and now you get to join our conversation. Blaze, Sarah, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm I'm so excited that I finally get to do this because uh, I've done your podcast. Yes, you have. Yeah. Uh, which is fun. Uh, and then uh, uh, I've gotten to know you pretty well because we met a few years ago at Magic Live. Yeah. We met at Blackpool. And I, I really like your sleight of hand stuff. Because Thank it's, you so much. If you've never seen Blaze perform, it's a very clean, like lean style of performing that is also very focused. And mm. I, I like what you're doing. Thank you. Well, that's a nice way to put it. Thank yeah. you. And I, I think I, I try to strive for that of stripping out as much procedure as possible, mm -hmm. you know, and just trying to go directly from, you know, like the effect is over before they think it started is yeah. what I try to do. So I, I, I appreciate you saying that. I would, I would just, I would argue a little bit that, um, taking out procedure is, is one thing that you do, but that doesn't mean that you take out, uh, structure or technique. Mm. because I, I think that taking out the procedure is great because it does make it very clean, but n having talked to you about some of the stuff, there's a very clear idea of the effect. There's a very clear idea of the presentation mm. and the slights involved are sometimes not easy. Cause, yeah. Because if you just take out the procedure, sometimes you don't have an effect anymore and mm. that doesn't happen with your stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, it, for me, I really think of it in terms of just what is the the narrative that I'm trying to to tell and mm -hmm. then and then working backwards towards what is the method that's necessary for that and then sometimes it does end up being very difficult yeah. slight wise but that's that's because I kind of I almost think of it in terms of like a formulaic process and this was something that I lectured on when I was in Blackpool as I was talking about uh, six steps it, it, like m basically my magic formula at least mm -hmm. what works for me yeah. and it's a, a six step creative problem solving process that by the end of going through the six steps you will end up with a unique magic routine was mm -hmm. kind of my guarantee for it and uh, and it was really fun to actually see that in action like throughout the course of the lecture we had people shouting out ideas and made a new magic routine based on their, their ideas but um, what I do while I'm creating is I usually set criteria for myself so I'll have a problem that I'm trying to solve and uh, a context a scenario with with you know that that is within and then as I'm generating methods I try to generate as many methods as possible and then I define criteria for what makes a good method based on my context so 
one of the criteria that I set for myself for a lot of my card routines is I said, I never want to be in what I call like an active state. So I guess what, um, and I think, I think that there's like some, uh, theory that like Vernon has talked about with that's that's similar to this idea, just different um, language. But I guess the, what felt natural to me to articulate it is the idea of an active versus a passive state. Mm-hmm. For example, if I if I went hiking with you, and I'm holding a water bottle in mm-hmm. one hand while we're while we're walking, you wouldn't really pay any attention to that water bottle. But if I were to hold it with both hands, like one hand on the on the cap, yeah, you'd you'd be like, are you gonna? Twist that? Like, yeah. if I was just talking to you, just holding with both hands, I'm in an active state. I'm about to do yeah. something. It's like so, so I never like, wanted to be in that. It's almost like the difference between uh, kinetic and potential energy. Mm, it's, yeah. It's a, it's, it, I mean, just this idea of, like, active and passive state is just, like, it's an interesting way of, like, almost applying, like, physics to the the context of a, of a routine. Yeah. And it's, and I think the audience can immediately feel it subliminally. Yeah. And, and even if you didn't do something at that moment, let's say that you take both hands and you mm-hmm. are holding a deck with both hands at a certain moment, mm-hmm. you might not have done anything in that moment. But if someone happens to remember that frame in their mind, mm-hmm. then they could be like, well, he could have done something mm-hmm. at that moment. You know, his hands were on it. You know, he, w- he could yeah. have done some slight. I just didn't see it. So I didn't want to have that moment. So what I did when I was creating like double agent, uh, my release or, or things, I've, um, I set the criteria for myself that it needed to be one handed. Yeah. So then that forced me to try and either find or develop one handed techniques to be able to achieve the, yeah. the effect that I set out to do at the beginning, which definitely <laughs> limited the amount of methods that mm-hmm. I had for it. And then it just ended up, you know, with, with what I'm at now. I'm curious. Uh, so I know that you've done some consulting for mm. big names. I, I won't say them out loud or anything like that, but this 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 method of creativity is is very interesting the idea of here's what i want to do here's all of the different possible methods now here's the criteria that those that method must meet to go to mm-hmm. this and so it's sort of winnowing down to what is the best sort of thing for this yeah um how does that work when you're working for an artist and creating them because you're because you're probably having to deal with you know maybe they're you know, the shape of their hand is different mm-hmm. than yours. You know, maybe their their index and middle finger is stronger than your pinky finger, and so as a result, that's going to change the different uh, you know slights you're going to use. Or maybe they're just like not you know they're mm-hmm. not comfortable. Yeah, it's a whole different set of criteria when you're following this creative process, which sounds like a it's almost it reminds me of like lean manufacturing. Like it it's is. A, it's very similar to lean manufacturing. Yeah. How do you apply that to when you're working with another artist? Actually, I f- I what. I feel is that I find myself resorting to that process intuitively much more frequently when I am working with someone else. Really? Um, because yeah, when, when I'm, when I'm creating for myself, you know, I might have some random inspiration, you know, and I think that it's very important when someone has a, a creative process or a, a method for creativity that they don't forget to leave room for just the kind of more mystical, like just random inspiration, the beautiful, just like Eureka, you know, epiphany moment. I think that it's important to leave space for that, but also having a process that, that you can go through. And if you just continue going down those steps, you will end up with something at the end. And what I, the process actually comes from a a psychologist, Ellis Paul Torrance. Mm -hmm. And he founded this uh, program called the Future Problem Solvers Program. And so I, I, I took that as an extracurricular when I was in school, mm-hmm. and it really shaped how I thought. And it gives 
basically it gives students a, a process for how to think, not what to think, you mm -hmm. know, and how to approach solving problems that we haven't yet encountered. Yeah. And uh, what you would do in the process is basically you'd be given a scenario that takes place say 30, 40, 50 years out into the future. So at, at the time we were analyzing problems that were supposedly going to take place in say 2045. Yeah. And it was, we were in fifth grade when I started this and it, or fourth grade. And it was like, um, solving problems about, uh, doping in the Olympic games and cybernetic, you know, body enhancements and yeah. things like what, what is the future of that, of cheating going to look like yeah. in professional athletics? And it's like, we're having 11 year olds try and, you know, think about these kind of things. And it really shaped how I thought. And when I, what I realized was that I, when I was creating for myself or for other people, I was intuitively going through this same six step process that I had learned and absorbed as a 10 year old. Mm -hmm. So it's really based on that process. What I find is that, you know, a lot of people ask me when you're consulting, do you, do you worry about giving away mm -hmm. some of your stuff, your ideas? And I never really find that because I'm creating, I find myself getting inspired because I'm thinking in a totally different way yeah. than I normally would for the criteria that's based around this individual, you know, and yeah. what they're looking for and trying to create their idea, you know. That's fascinating. Uh, I, so I, it's, uh, sorry, I'm sort of sitting here thinking about like the, the idea of learning how to, so I grew up in a Montessori education, which is oh, a, yeah, a yeah. lot of what Montessori is, is teaching kids how to do that mm. themselves. It's obviously, but it's, it's very much more, um, uh, crunchy granola, uh, than what you're talking about. The way about. it's yeah. been described to me has been rather hippy dippy, but yeah, yeah it's like, yes. yeah. It's, it, cause it's like less structured and you're not having yeah. people relegated to certain grades and yeah. things. Right. And, but uh, mm -hmm. is there, is, is there kind of an autodidactic element to that learning style that like you need to yes. find your own, how you learn? Yeah, exactly. It's a, a lot of it is like finding the learning process for the kid themselves. So I'm just hearing this like structured process and I'm like, Oh man, I wish I I could apply that structure to this thing that I learned in. So it's just, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to like go nonverbal, oh, but no, I, yeah, I, yeah, no. I like when somebody expands my mind on this. I do want to shift topics though, because yeah. I want to talk about your podcast in which Absolutely. you ask the hard hitting questions. Like the hardest hitting. We, we ask the, I want, can I share my favorite question with the listeners? Sure. Yeah. Um, if you are presented with two lasagnas, <laughs> And you place two ident identical lasagnas. Two identical lasagnas, <laughs> yeah. and you place one lasagna on top of the other lasagna. Mm -hmm. Do you just have two pieces of stacked lasagna, or do you have one lasagna? Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Divine and Conquer from Leo Reed. Nick Lacapo joined me via Zoom to discuss one of the most direct mind reading effects you can do with the deck of cards. Nick, I saw you playing with this for a long time, and then I finally started playing with it when we went to Blackpool and I demoed it for people, and it's just crazy amounts of fun because of how strong it is. We're talking Divine and Conquer by Leo Reed. This trick's awesome. Um, I, yeah, I've put a lot of work in on this uh, particular trick and um, it's a good one. You should own it. it what happens is, is you, sh you spread a deck of cards uh, and you ask two people to think of any card that they see. They don't have to write anything down, nothing shared. The card that they're thinking of or the cards that they're thinking of only exist in their mind um you literally from there after they after after they thought of a card you put the cards on the table you turn to one of the people and you literally tell them what card they're thinking of just like it's right a, off the rip it's that strong yeah um which is which is nuts so and obviously that's not it um you turn to the second person and you say well, we'll we'll do it again but this time i'll make your card vanish from the deck 
and you snap your fingers over the deck or whatever. And um, you, you can, you can hand the deck to the spectator and let them deal through the cards face up one at a time. So uh, they're looking at full face cards here, <laughs> face up one at a time through the deck. They will not see their card. Also, if you count those cards, there is only 51. So one has vanished. And then you reach in your pocket and you pull out the card that they are literally have not told you or anything just thinking of. I think the part to me that is so clever on this is that you're getting a very special gimmick deck of cards. This isn't something you could just make at home. I mean, you you could, but it would take you forever. Um, no, you, yeah. This, and yeah, it wouldn't I'd look nearly as good as... Of not making it at home. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> Never make anything like this at home. Uh, but you it's a special gimmick deck of cards that you put in the spectator's hand. They count through. It's only 51 cards and the, and their card has genuinely vanished. And it's a very free choice while, while they're looking at these cards and remembering one. It's uh it's very, and it's an elegant solution to this type of problem. And Leo Reed has really done a great job, which also explains why it won trick of the year last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let me say just two things about it. One, or P three product of the year. P three product of the year. Yeah. yeah. If 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 you've if you've never seen this style of effect before, just pick it up. Um, it is a fully gimmick deck. Um, the deck almost has no heat on it, really. I mean, yeah. like, there's especially when you hand the deck to the spectator, let them deal through. I mean, they don't. To them, there's there's nothing there, right? Yeah. So you're not going to be doing other tricks with it. Uh, if you're familiar with the uh, mind power deck. This is not that. It is a, the same effect in, in general, but it is a completely different gimmick. And it took a bit for me to understand why this was so much better. But um, it, it, structurally and dramatically, it, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because of the full face cards. I, I'm not going to like go into depth detail on this mm-hmm. here, but like what I wanted to say to any of you out there that already own the, ma- the, the Mind Power deck uh, this is an upgrade, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I wasn't sure when I first saw the trick, but after performing it, I, it, I, it is a clear upgrade, in my opinion. I, I would agree, and having experienced demoing at a Blackpool, where I had a, a young guy come up to the booth, he watched the trick once, he walked away shaking his head, and then he came back the next day, oh, yeah. and he was like, "Do it again," and I did. <laughs> And he just, he pulled out his money on the spot and was like, "I have to do this." And if you don't know, you're you're, you're when screwed. you watch it, if you if you don't know anything about what's going on there, I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, Divine and Conquer by Leo Reed. Check it out. That was Divine and Conquer by Leo Reed. As always, the spectacular listeners to our podcast receive 25% off when they enter a special discount code at checkout for our featured product of the week. This week, that code is Powerhouse. That's Powerhouse, P-O-W-E-R-H-O-U-S-E, for 25% off Divine and Conquer from Leo Reed. That code is only good for Divine and Conquer and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Blaze Sarah. I do want to shift topics, though, because I want to talk about your podcast in which you ask the hard-hitting questions. Like the hardest-hitting. We, we ask the, the, I want. Can I share my favorite question with the listeners? Sure, yeah. Um, if you are presented with two lasagnas <laughs> and you place... Two ident- identical lasagnas. Two identical lasagnas yeah. and you place one lasagna on top of the other lasagna, mm-hmm. do you just have two pieces of stacked lasagna or do you have one lasagna? Yeah. And this is, this is something that I have posed at dinner parties 
ever since I was at oh, your this is podcast amazing. because it is it is a it's caused deep arguments with my friend group. It gets philosophical, yeah. right? It, it it really gets deep, and that isn't even the hardest hitting of the questions. <laughs> that we, <laughs> you, know, you scratch the surface. What what is please tell my listeners about what you're doing because I, I want to direct people there because I think you know oh, obviously you. continue listening to this one because yes. I need to continue to pay my mortgage but also listen to Blazes because there's some interesting stuff and you have some great guests and just talk to me a little bit about what you're doing because this is something you are very focused on right now yes absolutely so uh, the podcast has been something that I I wanted to do for a very long time and I, I'm so happy that things have fallen into place and that I, I'm doing it and also that I have such a great co-host with with Ryan Edwards because um, we have such similar senses of humor and the thing is that we started doing the podcast together before we had ever met each other in person yeah somehow we never met at Magic Live or Cross Paths and it was only because of the pandemic that we connected mm-hmm. you know he's in a different country and uh, and he and I just have a, an absolute blast it started out where he was doing Instagram live streams mm-hmm. and uh, and was doing them on a weekly basis talking to his friends, interviewing, uh, you know, magicians. And he did, he called it magic after dark. And at the same time I was doing my own podcast, like on Twitch, I was streaming yeah. uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then one of those a week would be a podcast. And it was called through a magician's eyes. And then we basically uh, just started hanging out on discord mm-hmm. and he joined my, my discord server. That's a one V one magic.com. And uh, that, that came about because I ran a, uh, a magic tournament during the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, in <laughs> last year. And that was so much yeah. fun. It was like, a, it was like 50 magicians from around the world. And we did a whole one V one like bracket tournament. Yeah. And that, that, that was a blast. So Ryan was one of the guest judges for that. And then asked me, would you be up for doing, you know, hosting the show on Instagram together? Mm-hmm. Instagram started really glitching and crashing on us. So yeah. then we, after like one, two episodes, we were like, let's just move to YouTube and make this a full-on podcast. And so <laughs> that's been the thing ever since. Um, and, and we do it live still. Yeah. So I love that, that we get the, the chat interaction. Yeah. And we, uh, we certainly, we've been able to create an interesting dynamic, I think, because yeah. we, we have the professionalism in that we're both actually passionate about magic and yes. can talk deeply about theory, mm-hmm. but then also have the ulterior motive of intentionally derailing the interview multiple times throughout. It was It's my favorite podcast I've ever been invited to be on because uh, you began the interview by describing what it was like to join the 52, <laughs> which I know we can't get too deep into, oh, yeah. uh, but, uh, but it was, it was, it was hilarious because I was just like, it, there was a moment where I was like, this is not going to be like any other podcast that I've ever been a part of. And I'm so excited because I literally had no idea what to think. I mean, we did talk yeah. magic and we, we did, did talk, talk magic. Yeah. like we talked about bringing products to market and other mm-hmm. things like that, which was, was a lot of fun, but it like is the moment it got deep. I would be asked about lasagna, and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it is crazy. It's it's it, and the thing is, it's really just like exactly what you described of that. You came on, and we I was ignored my, for the first twenty five <laughs> minutes of my own interview. <laughs> it was amazing, so good. It was so good. Um, so at that point, it's like we basically. Um, we we remind the guests throughout that they are invited onto our show. Not we don't say it overtly. <laughs> we don't say it overtly. But you are a guest on our show, yeah. <laughs> and it's still our show. So we're still gonna like we have we have some jingles that we play mm-hmm. that are 
46 seconds long yeah. and the guests can't talk <laughs> while the jingle's going. And so we'll be mid-conversation and then just a jingle starts playing and it just yeah. throws off the whole thing. But it's just, it's the idea of us bringing on distinguished professional guests yeah. and getting really deep and then just completely throwing it off the rails makes us laugh so much. Yeah. And luckily our viewers enjoy it as well. And we have so many comments that are like, did I miss the lasagna? Like yeah. during the chat. So it's also, it's, uh, the interview style is interesting because it's so disarming where I, I found myself talking about things that I, and revealing thoughts that I didn't realize I had mm. because you're, you're just, you're, you're put into this like kind of state where you're like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, why are we talking about lasagna? <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly we're talking like very deeply about relationship, like mm. my personal relationship with magic and, mm-hmm. and, 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 whether or not I think this thing is okay. And it's just, uh, the, and the, the bounce back and forth, I think turns into something that's interesting from a guest perspective. Well, that's really great to hear. Cause yeah. I think because we have that as a goal, but to see it actually translate is a yeah. good thing. You know, I mean, sometimes the lasagna talk will get out of hand, but yeah. you know, but at, at, I think the majority of the time we, we hope that it, it does have that kind of effect where, yeah. you know, people are able to go deeper. It's almost like that show hot ones, you know, the interviewer, Sean Evans is I, not I, to put us in the same category of such an incredible show, no. but like the hot wings disarm the guest and then they're, they open yeah. up more and we hope that I, I really yeah. truly believe that hot ones is like the perfect interview format because yeah. a, I don't care who that guest is. I want to see him eat chicken wings. Yeah. And then, uh, Oh man, I just, I'm reluctant to share this on a podcast, but I feel like you're the f- perfect mm. person to share this with. Cause yeah. I really want to do this at a convention Yeah, is uh, you know, the game you flash, you lose. Yeah. I want to do that, but with hot sauce. Oh, you gotta okay. take some like so super hot straight to the head and then super hot. And then you gotta, and then, and then you gotta try do, and do moves. Yeah. Oh, that's I. Yes, if you do it, please invite me. I would yeah. absolutely love to be a part of this. Yeah, Let, I mean, let's let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> we gotta we gotta go find. Man, this has been a blast talking to you, Blaze. I yeah. hope this isn't the last time uh, you're on my podcast, and I and I hope I thought you were gonna say I hope this isn't the last time we speak ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope not. I would love no. to come back. Yeah, and uh, uh, there's links down below to to check out Blaze's podcast, Magic After Dark, and all the other stuff that he is doing. Blaze, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Blaze for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. We are headed into another show lecture weekend here at the P3 Magic Theater, and I'm so excited to be sharing the stage with the incredible Tom Gaddis and the incomparable Benjamin Barnes. If you wanted to be a member of our studio audience and see some of the best magicians in the world, head on over to p3magictheater.com where you can find out tickets for all of our upcoming live shows. It's been a real blast to be back in front of the audiences and share some incredible magic with all of you. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that Elon Musk stole a meme from you on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to travel to the planet Tatooine where I'll be watching over a young boy who will one day grow up to become one of the greatest Jedi in the galaxy. Look, I'm a Star Wars boy and it's frankly a miracle that this podcast came out with the new Obi-Wan series dropping. But if the Force is not strong with you, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform, 